0: Right, welcome to This is Podcasting. I'm Connor, and I'm here as always with Calvin. <laughs> I forgot how dramatic that music we, what we chose was. It's because we're talking about a ghost story.
1: <laughs> Which is just, yeah, exactly why we chose it. It's not it's not at all the tone of what this movie is.
0: No, I I had read a lot of really crappy Google reviews on this movie. Talking about how, like, oh, that's not even scary. Like... The, nothing's going on in it i thought i accidentally paused it but it turns out the movie was still going which to me makes me think that you weren't paying attention and you because all like the the long takes are what make this movie so great um but this was directed by david lowry uh you might know him he did pete's dragon in 2016 and then we actually reviewed it uh he did green knight
1: not a not an episode i'd recommend it's like three hours it's long. Three <laughs> hours. It's a slog. I mean oh, I don't know. talking we were, about unlistable. I listened to I remember listening to that one like, oh no. We need to change everything. I don't know what we were thinking. We need about. we need way less of me <laughs> talking about things that I know nothing about for three hours. Yeah. Not just watch the movie. It's much it's very good. That's yeah, our still, review of it. I still it.
0: think we need to do an abridged version of that. We, yeah, we need to need a
1: whole new
0: episode <laughs> yeah. on that one it's a wonderful film uh but this uh a ghost story came out in 2017 and it was totally self-funded by the money he had made from a pete's dragon uh it had a budget of hundred thousand dollars i just it, don't
1: even know how that's possible
0: i mean it was like entirely made in secret there it wasn't even like uh because it, it premiered at the um sundance film festival it, and it wasn't even, like, submitted until, like, late. I mean, like, no one knew it was even going to, like, pop up in there. It made $2 million, uh, $2 million in the box office. So, I mean, it wasn't, like, a critical hit or anything. I mean, that's that's a pretty good return on investment. I mean, you're absolutely right about that. <laughs> it, it might be one of, like, uh, the, the better movies for that. Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, probably. Because, I mean, what is that? It's. I mean, zero
1: marketing 20, and stuff like that. 20 times over. Yeah.
0: I mean, you look at stuff like, uh, like Avengers that had, like, mega budgets and not just not just budgets for the film but uh, marketing as well this had zero marketing it's like all word of mouth and everything
1: which is weird because i remember seeing marketing for this um more than i would have thought for <laughs> this budget um and for what it ultimately made at the box office i don't and i wasn't really plugged in back then into like movie scene in general but i remember hearing about this specifically so i don't know i don't know how that happened
0: so this is a story about a couple they live in. Uh, I don't know if it's specified, but it's filmed in Irving, Texas, which uh, means a little bit more to David Lowry and his story, who's the director. He lived in Texas, and this was sort of like a very personal story for him. And it was about moving away from Texas to L.A. And a bit of the struggle and arguments he had with his wife uh, about that move and everything and that's totally reflected in Casey Affleck's character and Rooney Mara's character. It feels like they don't want the same thing. Like, he wants to stay. He's fine with staying, which is David Lowry has said. Like, that's how he felt, too. He didn't, he didn't want to go. So it's a really personal story for him. And he was also the writer on this film. But it's a, yeah, it's essentially a story about this couple. They live in the house. One day, C goes, drives away, and is hit by a car and dies. And then he wakes up as a ghost. And then he moves through time. That's a, I mean, I feel like that's a... Yeah, he
1: returns to the house and watches her and then... Yeah, it, the
0: yeah, and then uh, the world changes around him and, and, and you feel like this, uh, there's like a cyclical nature to the uh, time in this film. All right, so I want to know, uh, what are your initial impressions of this movie? What did you think of it? Um, I really thought this was one movie.
1: I thought this was um, uh, like this just sl- slow examination of, of grief in two different planes of existence. I thought that was one movie until we get to the scene with, um, you know, PBR, uh, pr- preacher, like, <laughs> you
0: Yeah, the hipster. Yeah. <laughs> you good. know,
1: yeah, he's like a, a modern day John the Baptist, but like John the Nihilist. And oh. he's, <laughs>
0: dude, you're dead singers
1: to start this one. It's just like, at first I thought he had like some ideas that made, and I was just like, this is just an asshole at a party. Oh yeah. Why are you like why are people listening to you right now? Why has the music stopped and everyone listening to you? You're wrong on so many different things.
0: You talk about the music in that scene. I don't know if you notice it's Kesha playing.
1: Uh, yeah, I did not you know
0: and she's also a, an extra in the background for it I guess he wanted her to do more than me. Oh, no, he wanted uh, David Lowry who directed it He wanted to use the song and then she was also like yeah, I'll be in it too. Oh, that's yeah, so she's in the background That's amazing. He just loves her music apparently. That's it so a funny. big deal for him to get her um, But yeah, so
1: but then after that it becomes this weird The pacing is different um, the tone is different what everything means is very different. It's not personal and intimate anymore. Um I think that you can if you just cut the first sixty minutes off, that's a that's a great film. And then the last thirty minutes I was like, what is going on? I feel like it lost its soul, right? That's a terrible joke. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> Was that off the cuff? <laughs> I wasn't even thinking <laughs> and was I was great. like, oh,
1: I can't finish that right. <laughs>
0: I mean, because it's only an hour and thirty-two minutes long, so yeah, exactly. It's so you so, think this functions better as like a not a short, but like you know, like a short film.
1: Yeah, a f- uh, a feature is generally considered sixty minutes. I think this is on this should be on the shorter end of the feature uh, because I don't, I, I, yeah, I feel like it loses its way after that. So that's my my first impression. Is it's I didn't understand how this got greenlit, lit uh, because it was so slow, and I've never, I mean for a mainstream movie to show a scene that's five minutes long and
0: it's four minutes. Oh, actually. and it's, only I think it's from point. the moment the fork touches the pie <laughs> to when she pukes. it's four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
1: and only of, of, of a single action. That's not something that you're going to find in a lot of, or in any mainstream movie. So the, I was like, I don't know how this got greenlit. Um, that was my first, my first question. And now I realize, yeah, it's because it wasn't greenlit by anybody.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it was like, yeah, uh, he just made it and then A 24, uh, uh, distributed it. So yeah, that makes sense. That was a 24. Yeah. No, they're God. They're great, man. I, I just love what they're putting out. What's that movie? Uh, everything everywhere all the time. All at once. All at once. Oh, I'm uh, very excited for that. Yeah. One. That's well,
1: I'd probably be, I don't know when that's, when this is coming, when this episode is coming out, but that movie comes out March 17th. Uh, and you best believe we'll be watching that one because that's right up our alley. Yeah,
0: that's exactly the kind of movie I want to see. Uh, my first impression is um, I love this movie, and that's all I wrote in my notes. I, <laughs> I, I have never not like been fascinated by it. It's always the kind of movie I like. I turn the phone off and I, I make sure I've got the the lighting just right, you know. And it's just mm. me in the movie, and and I get to just sit down and enjoy it. This is probably. One of the first movies, I think, in my my film journey, where I was like, "Oh, like maybe I like more pretentious stuff and more like <laughs> uh I, I've talked about like enemy being kind of like one movie that kind of influenced me liking i guess like maybe more uh high-minded. film that you would consider high minded yeah, but this was probably the first one I was like, oh man, okay, i I think I really love this kind of movie um so this 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 one has always been like a personal favorite to me, and so i was i'm was very excited when you suggested to watch it so I mean, I can wax poetic about this movie. I, I love it so much.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just knew that you've got, you've had such a, a large workload for school lately. I was like, let's just, yeah, let's just, do something easy for yeah, it. Give me a softball, man. <laughs> so yeah, to that, I did not dive as deep into this movie as I have of several others. I'm hoping that
0: you will carry the load this no, episode. I have some good fun facts about this one. There, wow. There's interesting stuff that went into like the production of it. and And I just think it's a wonderful story. Speaking of what takes place in the story, let's start out with uh, there's this opening text at the beginning. It says, uh, "Whatever hour you woke, there were doors shutting." Hmm. And that's from a Virginia Woolf book called *A Haunted House*. And basically, the synopsis of that is: it's a a couple moves into a house that is also inhabited by a ghost couple that is searching for this treasure that uh, the living couple doesn't believe even exists. And they mean the living couple no harm. I mean, it's, it's kind of a subversion of what you would think of a, a haunted house, which is kind of funny that it has that name. I also think that that's part of the reason why Casey Affleck's character is dressed in a, a bedsheet with the holes cut out. It's totally disarming. Like, this isn't a, you know, despite the joke we made with the very haunting music at the beginning, this isn't a movie about a haunting, really. Um, and it's not supposed to be scary. So I, I wonder, what do you think? Did that work for you, the idea of just a bedsheet walking around.
1: Yeah, I did love it. I thought it, it set the tone of what, what they were trying to say, that this was just kind of, this wasn't meant to be scary or supernatural. This is just kind of, this is a different creature. And here's a, a caricature of what we think of ghosts. And that's all this is. It's just to show that he is other now and, um, immaterial. It's interesting that that is not, that that book is not about the haunting, because clearly he is haunting people um he is clearly upset uh i f- I find those the two scenes um him destroying the house after the party and uh, and the uh um throwing of the plates and everything like uh, with the the mom and her two children right I find them so strange and kind of I, I don't think they fit with that with that premise of the book I can understand with uh general angst of uh of something where the world is moving on past you and this is your your expression of that uh of that anger but they feel horror like they feel like horror tropes so I didn't really understand why they were here because that didn't feel like what the movie was about before it didn't feel like this was something scary or um like evil or like dangerous but then it became that Briefly. I thought it,
0: yeah. I thought it worked because you see a lot of horror movies from the perspective of the people being haunted. You know, the family that's just moved in and all this weird stuff is happening. And and even uh, uh, Casey Affleck's character and uh, Rooney Mara's character, C and M, is what they're titled as.
1: Which is weird. I, tra- yeah. I I I looked that up on Wikipedia. And I, I could not figure out why they were called that. I don't know either. I think uh, it's- but they're never
0: referred to by name uh, in the film. Right. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is because it's C for Casey and M for Mara. That's exactly what I think it is. <laughs> um, but they talk about hearing like scratching noises and they're like, oh, this house just makes such noises. And then like you said, he haunts that, that family that moves in. I just, I thought it was interesting to see it from the ghost perspective and like what motivation the ghost has to do that. You get a lot of movies that it's just like haunted, none like freaking people out and turning <laughs> off lights. Um, it was cool to see. It was cool to see that like he was just acting out because he's lost the love of his life, has moved out. He no longer can even like share the same household with her, even though he can't interact with her. There was there was a cool bit where um I think the son it's implied that he can he can see see like he can see Casey Affleck's character as the ghost because he's like sees him in the closet. oh the
1: the boy yeah. i for some reason I thought you meant like the literal son oh no the he the... can see the sun. And I thought you were talking about like him, like that prism effect. Oh, no. Effect.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Um, the Hispanic family that moves in, it, I think it's implied that the son can see him. I think you, you actually pointed this out to me is that uh, the mom can see him too because she like peers down at his, at his feet.
1: No, she, so what she's doing is she's picking up all of the broken dishes and he is uh, in like the living room staring down at her. And she, there's a moment where she pauses and she's staring up at him. Oh, okay. And then he walks over and starts scratching at the wall. And then she continues picking up the pieces.
0: So I like that. I like that horror trope showing up in this, like the, the the idea of a medium or something like that. I I thought it worked, and it was it was unique to see it in that way, where it wasn't just like a, a malevolent spirit acting out for no reason. It it felt like there was motivation behind it, even though it is, for all intents and purposes, a haunting. Mm-hmm. And he is flinging dishes around and throwing cups of milk around. It felt like. I understood the reason behind it. And that's why it all worked for me. I, I thought the horror tropes, it was, it was just unique to see it in that perspective. And it, it was really how much of uh, what a change of uh, direction in
1: uh, atmosphere and in pacing that was for me. Because before it was so, so, so slow. So, so, so slow. And you really got this idea of, of like cosmic boredom. You know, of uh, the ending of a life, and you have nothing left to live for, and you're just kind of um, in in limbo and
0: watching the grief of a human. Um, well, you want to mo- talk about you want to talk about a slow scene. What did you think of uh, the sheets pulled over Casey Affleck's character, and the camera just holds on him for a while before he lifts up, and now he's a ghost. And yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Again, I I feel like people who thought it was boring or they thought they paused it. I feel like you just missed out. It's like, you're supposed to linger. Like, that's the point is like, you're supposed to get an idea of how, how, uh, maybe time is going to work for this character. Like it's really slow for him in the beginning. And then, like you said, it speeds up towards the end and then he gets kind of like back to his life and, and he's moving forward. I thought it was fantastic. I, 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 and I love how they got him from being a dead man into a bedsheet. Because I think that's got to be, I think there's a version of this movie where he puts one on or something, and it's just tough to kind of pull that together. I love the way that it, his transition into being a ghost. Thought I thought it was uh, fantastic.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting too. But yeah, I, I did like it there. Like it was, you it takes it took forever for M to pull the trunk out to the uh, the end of the driveway, and she goes back in the house. It took forever for us to pan over to see the car crash. It took forever for uh, for him to wake up from being dead to ghost took forever to watch her eating the pie and then because it's all about the slow intimate moments of of death of anger of moving on um of grief that these these more stylized things of him like throwing plates around is it's so out of place with everything else that you had described like if he had just like if there had just been like a single moment but we're 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 cutting back between like uh he him he's a ghost and the and he's holding a glass of milk and oh no the glass of milk is floating and oh now everything's flying we're cutting back and forward between this and it's really stylized and it's not at all how the rest of the movie the beginning of the movie had set up this character and set up this existence that I, I feel like if you had just had him walk over and start throwing things, and the camera sat way back and watched all of
0: this, I would have been totally fine with it. So be- it's the, it's the switching to him not being in the frame that it's it's trying it to you? it's trying to be a little bit of
1: a horror movie in that way. Like if we had really set it up as like I'm just so upset right now, I'm gonna knock this frame off. Like so, let's say that we set the camera up. Uh, from the hall in the bedroom, you know, like right next to the piano, and we're looking in at the kitchen, and he hits, o- he knocks over the the photo, and then he walks over to the table and picks up the glass and throws it at the wall, and then he just goes over and starts flinging dishes out of the cabinets, and the camera never moves. That would be more in tone with, with with everything that's going on here, like what what he's really feeling and how time really works. It's not this instead it's this this weird flurry of action and of suspense that would that makes this a really tropey horror scene but if it's just i'm acting out of pain and anger and very similarly shot to how uh m was eating the pie like i'm just living in grief right now and acting out in these weird ways then that would have been a really nice parallel in terms how of his expression of it
0: but instead it's 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 tropey. It's, it's stereotypical. It's, it's funny that you say it because I feel like I got the sense that he was acting out of anger and pain. And then to also cut that together with having what you would consider like a classic, like haunting scene. I thought it was cool to have the idea of the perspective on both sides of, of the ghost, not necessarily acting in anger towards the family that's occupying his house, just kind of out of pain, but then also showing the family freaking out because they don't know what's happening. I understand it's tropey, but that's why I thought it worked. I like the two perspectives it took on. But I also agree with you. I I think the scene could have been really, it could have been really powerful if it was just him, like mm-hmm. if it was just him slowly moving through the kitchen, destroying it, and then the family runs out in fear because for them it's it's still a haunting, for him it's it's pain. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I just I I thought it worked both ways for me still the way it was shot. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like we had set up everything from
1: his perspective. The fact that we do keep switching back and forth to their perspective. I don't care about them. I the movie hasn't cared about anybody else's perspective this whole time. It's really only been about uh those two characters to a lesser extent. It's it's been a little about uh, a little bit about M, about Rooney Mara, but I think it's as an accessory to C and to his death and why it's sad is because they were connected and now it's through his eyes that we see her pain so that's why i don't like it it, it's it it becomes it's not a ghost story anymore uh it's you know what I mean, like because you're talking about like how I want to I want to see things from the from the perspective of ghost, which means that we should never care about anybody else seeing the ghost. Like we can see maybe like characters reacting or seeing to him, but it should never be from their perspective to really make this a a different type piece of cinema. You know what I mean? Like I can I can understand the the boy seeing him, but I want to see it
0: over the shoulder of the ghost of the boy looking at him. Okay, no I. I... Okay, I can understand that 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 that's maybe a a different shot selection that I think would have like Conveyed that feeling better. I can agree with you on that it also I mean the thing is is like this is a this is not a
1: movie that you're gonna make your money back on like Why is this not more high-minded? Like why is this not more expressive in terms of its camera work? I that's the part. I don't understand. It's like you could have you could have made this really really expressive and And
0: it feels very Hollywood in some parts. Oh, I am so surprised by your, like, everything you're saying right now I disagree with. So let's talk about uh, the look of it and how it's filmed. It's in the uh, 1.33 to 1 aspect ratio, and it's, like, vignetted on the end. Yeah. It's very fancy. I find that so distracting. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I thought it was great. It was like
1: I I liked it as a as a novelty, but I just could not look away from it because I was like because it also is like squeezed up from the bottom of the of the frame too. If you notice that there's a black bar below the below the oh top right of it, right yeah which yeah that it's just it's just so distracting to me like I I couldn't I couldn't look away from it like I kind of liked it as a as a thing, but it was. I, I, I couldn't explain why I didn't like it or why it felt it didn't feel like it was in the right place. I don't know. I just couldn't, I couldn't put my, my finger on In a way that I loved the, the aspect ratio in The Lighthouse, I didn't feel that way about this. It felt like it was a novelty and not really to something.
0: Really? Because a lot of the reason I liked The Lighthouse is because I thought it took aspects of a ghost story. And I love the small aspect ratio. It forces your characters to be intimate. It forces them to be close, which is a big part of the story here. It's about like, there's a big portion of it that's about CNM at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And even though I think there's kind of building frustration between them, like at the end of the night, they lay in bed together, they're close, they're cuddled up and everything. You get these great intimate moments with them. And even like the pie eating scene, it's, it's such a small aspect ratio that it forces your character they need to be front and center in every scene there's nothing else to look at it's it has to be focused on the characters so i loved the aspect ratio in this. i love
1: the aspect ratio the
0: vignettes you have the problem i
1: don't yeah like i I like them kind of like from the idea of like everything is a memory you know that's that's what i took from all of this like Mm -hmm. this is a collection of like old photographs and that's and life as a memory I found like because everything was so slow that that was something I really really focused on a lot, and it took me out of the experience of watching these scenes, of watching this grief, of watching the action because the corners were funny. Now that's so I, odd. I, I, can't, I can't explain it either. <laughs> I, I, I think I should have. It's something I was like, why doing, Why why am I having this reaction? This is <laughs> something that I would like.
0: So I've said this is a very personal story for David Lowry. What did you think of the relationship between C and M? I, I think there's like some frustration, but like real genuine love built into it. And I want to know like your take on that.
1: Yeah. I thought it was wonderful because I I love how everything was, uh, expressed like through body acting, um, and body language, like when they're just laying in bed and they're just kind of gently, uh, nuzzling. I think that says so much about a relationship and in a moment and how long we hang on that is so, so cool. I, I really enjoyed it. And I, so we'll get into this more, like, about music. I love the song that he writes.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that song is called I Get Overwhelmed. It's by Dark Rooms, and it's essentially what the entire score was built on. Was that song? Yeah. That was, like, the, that was like the impetus for the rest of the score. It's, like, this song was what kind of, like, was built off of. And I don't think it's necessarily based on it in terms of a musical quality or tone it's just like this is uh the mood i guess and it kind of resonates throughout the film hmm. but that's the that's a song and it's wonderful
1: yeah i do love i i do love that song too i just feel like there's a lot of emotion in it the way they've edited when it plays is wonderful i think it really speaks to their relationship uh i mean just thinking of listening to a song that you're dead i don't know if they were married or not i mean i don't i don't know if it's expressly said you don't even
0: get their names so yeah. i have no idea
1: <laughs> and plus yeah exactly we don't even get the names and plus the song calls uh well in the song it says lover so i mean so let's just use that as the the, the word between them uh, just listening to a song that your lover your dead lover made for you or about i just i can't even there are so many things going on in just the idea of listening to an act of creation uh, to someone who's dead that was very personal and close to you. Right. There's so much there's so much felt in just that action and then the 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 sonic quality and all of the emotion in that's innate to that song. If I were to uh, redo this score, I'd take out everything except for that song.
0: Hmm. I disagree with you. But we'll get more of the score <laughs> later because I think it's fantastic. But uh
1: but yeah, so I think the re- I think the relationship is really good, really organic.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And again, I, I think that aspect ratio pushing everyone into into the center of the frame, mm-hmm. it really makes it feel like you get that intimacy out of it. I thought that was a fantastic part of it. Yeah,
1: agreed. So, and then we talk about how slow everything is, right? But there there seem to be two flows of time. There's human time, you know, like the whole pie-eating thing. And then there's this ghost time where everything is just f- flying by C uh, as a ghost, you know? Right. Like M keeps walking out the door over and over
0: without him moving uh, the fam. I That's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. I thought it was done so well. It's like—I I mean, you could maybe say it's like a—I uh, don't know if I'd say like tropey or anything like that or, or uh, not a— cinematically uh, endeavorous or anything yeah. i just thought it like fit exactly what it was supposed to do i just my my problem with it is that
1: i i get taken out of this slowness of what it what it means to just sit in the corner of a room for days on end i don't get that sense of it i get the sense that time is passing but i don't feel that you know what I mean? There's a difference, like, like the idea of like the whole uh pie eating scene, you know, there's a difference of like, oh, she's sad. She's watching. She's eating a pie. And then you get you get further and like, wow, yeah, this is a really heavy scene. There's just grief here. And it's so sad watching him watch her. And then it just keeps going. And you're like, man, that's that's when you get to the real human quality of what grief is like it is a weight it's oppressive it doesn't go away you really experience it that because that that's the way we experience time when things are are just flying by like that i i don't get a sense of uh of the weight of the of the of time moving on for him. i kind of i get the the sense narratively that we are we are going somewhere and 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 she's moving on in her life and it's sad for him but the full weight of it is isn't expressed like you have in all of these other moments in the in the film until that point everything had been very deliberate about this is an action this is a feeling this is everything contained right here whereas with that it's i don't know i it's i feel it's not jump cuts but it feels like jump cuts to me because it's it's just it's one one aspect of the scene jumping around to something else to convey
0: time changing narratively. I like to think of it as the time is always moving. It moves slower when he's with M because that's what's important to him. Mm-hmm. And as she's moved away, time seems to accelerate for him. And I think that's just because it's just mm. it's it, that's why I still think it's a very personal story, even though you kind of get this like it balloons up into this story about uh, the heat death of the universe and how nothing matters and all that. And, and we're just a small speck in, in the grand scheme of things. But it's like it's still very personal to me. He's moving through time, but it's like he's moving through time that doesn't matter to him. And it's not till the end of the film where it starts to slow down again and you get that cyclical nature. So it's looped now back into the beginning of them moving into that house. Well, it's not looped back into the
1: beginning of the moving the house. He, it goes back even further, which I don't understand. No, no. I mean,
0: what I mean is it, it still is skipping quickly. It slows down again once they're together in the house. Yeah, I suppose that. I can see what you mean. And so once you get to that point, you get, you get a little more background on what's going on in their relationship. And he, he expresses that he doesn't want to move and that they want different things and they need to make decisions together. And that's when time slows down again because it's it's something that matters to him now. So, yeah, he's he's a small speck in this grand scale, but his story really mattered to him, and time didn't slow down for him until it started to be about something he cared about. That's why I think the story still remains really personal, even though we rush through, like, big uh, leaps in time. I still feel
1: like we jump around a lot when we get back to his story, though, you know?
0: I think it's quicker, certainly, uh, but but it does... I mean, it's not skipping centuries or anything like
1: that. Yeah, yeah, I agree agree with that. Um, But yeah, I just wanted, we we just, it had been one thing in one pace for a significant amount of this movie that changing it really changed how I interacted with this movie. I didn't feel like it was consistent enough for me to feel like that was the point or that there was a clear vision of uh, how we wanted to convey emotions
0: no i i understand that but i think this movie works i I, do, I don't think this movie works if it's remains a really slow pace the whole time which is why i think a lot of the the little crappy reviews i read i don't think people really watch the movie i think they got bored and turned it off before it yeah. started to speed up yeah because it really it really picks up in the last like you said like last 30 minutes of of the film i i like that he's experiencing it differently because i mean he's kind of this supernatural character so things should work differently and I just, I like that it's slowed down at the end. I understand that it could be, uh, I, I think this movie could be frustrating in a way that it set itself up to be one way. And like you said, it becomes a different film in, in the, the second half. I But I don't think it becomes a different film in the way that its message is different or that the characters have changed or um, mm-hmm. a, emotions mm-hmm. have changed. I think it's it's changed in the way it's telling its story, but I think all of like the, the, the core of the movie remained intact throughout.
1: Yeah. I like what you're saying. I think that's, that's interesting that, um, time moves differently for him because his attachment to memory is, is different now, you know, without, without something holding him there, like his, his idea of how long he's been around or who he is even like that other ghost, um, doesn't even know who they're waiting around for anymore. I think that's really interesting. Um, I just wanted I wanted more of those slow burns because I feel I felt like it was doing it so strongly conveying conveying those emotions. And then it changed the mood on me. And that alienated me um, in terms of my experience
0: and how I was how I was interacting with these characters. I think there's a version of this film that stays like that slow pace throughout mm-hmm. and probably is still like as powerful and, and emotional. It's just like not the story that like Lowry wanted. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the one ghost that just disappears, doesn't seem to know what he was even waiting for. Uh, what do you think of that? Like, and it, it happens to see his character at the end of the film, He, he the, the sheet collapses and he's gone. And what do you, what do you think of the ghost's, uh, disappearing? I honestly had that question for you. Uh, cause I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, uh, that that's my, that's my question for what this film is like why why obviously he could have i i guess like there was a doorway in the hospital he could have taken to ascend go to a different dimension go to heaven i suggest i i i guess the film is suggesting i don't know but he ignores it and goes yeah. another way um i think that obviously that's tied together with this the idea of um Am leaving notes in all of the houses that she's ever been in. She's had to leave. She had to leave because she didn't have a choice. It feels like the that these are choices to stay, and once they realize that they do have a choice to to let go, and that's what what makes them disappear. I I don't really know. I, I because I don't yeah. know what the I don't know what the next step is. The movie doesn't really doesn't really provide you with enough
0: i think it's about closure um i think that the the the, the ghost neighbor and again these are my favorite scenes the uh, apparently the idea of having the dialogue the the text at the bottom they decided on that like during filming it wasn't like written into the script or anything they shot the scenes and then realized it didn't work and so then (laughs) they added the text in and i think it's awesome it's one of the coolest scenes and it's and I've seen Avengers Endgame. I've seen a lot of cool scenes. I mean, to
1: be fair, it's <laughs> not like Avengers Endgame is much to watch.
0: <laughs> but, I, but I thought just like, is it just a, a cool way to like convey communication between characters that cannot emote and cannot talk? That's one thing we haven't really talked about in this movie. There's like a little dialogue in it. And so to to just have a, a quick conversation just through the eyes of a bedsheet, I thought it worked so well. And I and I think a lot of it is just about closures, like that one, the neighbor ghost realizing that, oh, like, they're not coming back. Like, that's all they needed was to realize they didn't need to wait around. And uh, we don't know anything about that ghost, but I think, like, what if it was close, like, family members? They're waiting for them to return home and could sit down and watch them open Christmas presents or have birthdays or, or, or grow up and graduate high school or something like that. And once they realize, like, Oh, that's like not gonna happen now. Like now I can move on and I can ascend or or do whatever spirits do. That's what I that's what I thought that character was, even though there's like very little context to uh the the neighbor ghost at all. That's also played by David Lowry. He's oh, under that's the bed funny. Sheet. <laughs> uh but and I think the same thing works for C. Is like he just needed to figure out that note like he just needed the closure and i don't know what the note says apparently rooney mara actually wrote something very personal on the note oh uh she has since forgotten what she wrote so no <laughs> one will ever know because the like the the houses were uh i think you told me this I, I didn't actually know this but they were actually condemned
1: yeah so they were able to shoot for free yeah um which is why this budget was so cheap um and how it was easy to keep it a secret because yeah, these these houses were were condemned and they were going to be demolished. And Anyways, yeah, yeah, so. and that's <laughs> yeah, cool. Can we film that? Yeah. <laughs> um. So I want to know then what your first reaction was when you saw that ghost disappear and see disappear. Was it was it sad? Was it was it happy? I have a hard time putting what that emotion was. I I I feel like you say you say closure but I feel like that ghost was really really sad and was miserable and it just gave into misery and just stopped existing cuz it had nothing else and I felt like that was like wow like that's just grief is so bad that it it literally spirited away that ghost
0: That's an interesting take I didn't think of it as being like succumbing to sadness and that's what what took it away i thought it was like the, just the realization that like oh okay like uh, i don't need to linger here anymore i can move on now i mean again i'm I'm ascribing all of these these characteristics to a character we know nothing about but i mean i think of like well, like a, a grandma or something who's just been around there like waiting for her kids to come back home grandkids to come back home once they once she realizes that that's not going to happen It's okay to move on. It's okay to let them live their lives and go on. And again, that's part of this movie that I just think is so wonderful. There's a lot of like uh, emotion and stuff you can build into it yourself because there's no dialogue. And I like the idea of kind of assigning my own story to what's going on. And and it worked for me because I, I guess I just built in my own narrative that made me feel like, the ghost didn't disappear because it was so sad because, like, that's sad for me. I, and that's interesting that you have that take on it because I had a happy take on it. Like, it was like, oh, like, okay, I can go now. Like, they're not going to come back. I was holding on to, like, this property and this um, – I was holding on to an object, a thing, for so long. And I don't have to do that anymore. And now I can apparate and I'm, I can be done.
1: Yeah, and I, part of the reason I think that is because like the other ghost still just hangs around. It seems to like why do you why would you wait around like C waits around because I guess he has hope, you know? Like why why doesn't he have the same reaction to the house being demolished, and instead he just he jumps off of a high rise building to try and end his existence? I feel like those are both the same action, and that's kind of why I I thought of it as. They, they both succumbed to grief, and um, uh, they did different things, but that was, it was the same motivation.
0: See, what we really need is a ghost story, too, <laughs> that follows the neighbor ghost. That way we can understand the motivation of that ghost, because, again, I think the story is so personal. So uh, just because they're both ghosts and they are both experiencing this like afterlife, I, I don't, they're not doing it the same way. They both have different motivations behind what they're doing, and they both have different motivations behind why they disappear. So I, I like the way C jumps off the building at the end. Not at the end. I like the way C jumps off the building because it feels like he's just over lingering here. He's done with it, trying to get a, a, a new future or, or trying to figure out what goes beyond this. I don't think that's what the other ghost is trying to do. So it's fine to me that they have different experiences and they disappear in different ways because they just both have different stories to me.
1: Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I can I can understand that. Um, we just went to way too fast there, you know. Like this movie is is ninety minutes, but we spent forty five minutes um, of not really doing anything uh, in terms of like narrative actions being completed. That when things start going really fast like that, they don't they don't have the weight of motivation of the narrative to really justify them and they're not they don't fit thematically because everything was about staying in that moment and really feeling that but we can't get in their heads uh the same way that because because things are going
0: too quickly well speaking of going too quickly what do you think about like that jump in time where again it's like cyclical so they end up he ends up back in the past like in settler times what do you think of that
1: i i just don't understand it this movie really really loses me um after uh the pbr preacher because we start moving really really fast and this jump in time it goes it goes back to a very specific time um before his story, but not all the way back to the beginning of the universe. So, why this point in time? Why this story of these settlers? I it, I don't I don't know. It's just a weird segue that again doesn't doesn't feel
0: like it fit with his story. It doesn't feel personal or intimate anymore. Okay, I'm about to tie in the PBR preacher and C's story all at once. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. So, the the PBR preacher is talking about the heat death of the universe. And during his uh, during his sermon, he talks about Beethoven and the Ninth Symphony and how someday in the future when the floodwaters rise and everyone's on the high ground, someone will hum that melody and it will bring hope to people. And it, he talks about how it kind of doesn't matter what era we're in, what time we're in, whether we've populated a different planet, people may look back on the Mona Lisa or paint something similar to the Mona Lisa or hum something similar to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony and it's something that we all experience as a society or as humanity. In that scene with the settlers, the little girl is humming the song that C wrote for M. Meaning that no matter what time we're in, we're all experiencing time together. We're all moving forward. We all have hope. We're all, it's all tied together no matter what. What? What? when she writes the note and puts it under the rock, she's humming that the the same song that C wrote.
1: Okay. So we just paused so I could watch that clip because yeah, that does blow my mind because it's, it's so subtle. It is. It's it's, real quick. It's one single refrain of the, uh, that (laughs) hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah. Kind of, uh, I'm sure that that helped no one. No, that translates. (laughs) I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's super interesting. That's just not what this movie what this movie is. Um for for <laughs> 60 minutes of this movie, it's really about this I I just don't I don't get this this cosmic um big wide uh narrative that he decided that's what it was. I know that cuz all it all it translates all it really transitions into what is from the uh with the preacher or the you know the pbr p- preacher is talking about at the party which is the worst moment in the entire film
0: and i i don't i think it redeems that part because to me it's like he thinks that the world ends and nothing matters i but think for, but for c the world didn't end and he gets to hear that song again and he gets hope again and then we speed forward and he gets to be with m again and relive kind of that life they had and i i think that whole segment that he talked about beethoven's ninth giving hope to people him hearing his own little melody again i think gives that hope he's been wandering the world with nothing going on and even though time skips forward and we don't know everything that's happened i, I that's why I, that's why i still think it's so personal for him to hear his own song again but in the past I don't know how you can look at this and not feel like it's such a personal story even though it's on this cosmic scale, which is why it matters so much to me. It's like even though we're just a little blip in this big thing, he gets this like he gets these tiny little moments throughout it that and they all matter and he matters to the people around him, you know?
1: So I think it would have made more sense if it was in the future though because that that part of it being cyclical doesn't make a lot of sense it's not earned it's not explained every like you know someone humming um beethoven's ninth later on way down the future and that gives them hope that's established so if that was the case with his song in the future totally i can totally buy it and i i think it works a lot better it also it also should be a little a lot more apparent um i, I mean i watched this movie twice and totally missed that and I don't think that. Right. I don't think that this isn't even one of those things where you just really need to pay attention, or you just kind of need to be paying attention to film language in general to see. Like, I feel like ninety-nine percent of people would miss this because that was that that song is so electronic, um, and this is just a little girl humming, and not the whole thing. And the ghost and C doesn't really, he looks at her a little bit, but she's just walking. So it could be that she's just walking. I don't think it was obvious enough to really work as a thematic tie in. Um, I
0: think you're right. <laughs> I think I reached a lot to pull that all together. I was just really impressed with myself that I was like, oh man, I can tie this in and this in and this in. And I just think it's still a really cool element of the film, but I can agree with you that it is like really subtle. And, and, it, I mean, that's coming from me. Like, yeah. I love subtle <laughs> yeah, I know. things, and like, that felt like
1: so subtle not to be non-existent.
0: It was so subtle. We needed to do a like in podcast watch. That's the first time that's ever happened.
1: <laughs> I wanted to do it a couple times, but this was the first time. I was like, that can't be right. There's no way.
0: Yeah, I
1: I'm a movie guy. I watch movies. I don't miss things
0: no and it is really little and again i i may be ascribing like more to it than is actually there i just i just i've always thought that there are so many small things happening in this movie that add up to a lot, and mm-hmm. that was just like another that was another part of it and i i think we can both agree that if you take the scene out with the p b r pastor <laughs> it i think that that and i think that the whole scene through the um Him jumping off the high rise, waking up with the settlers, moving on back into like his own timeline. I think that all operates like so much better because then you're not worried about, you're not as worried about the timeline anymore. I think when you, I think this was a mistake to add it in because I think maybe Lowry thought that people weren't going to get that time is cyclical in this movie. And so he needed someone to say it. Yeah, but you pick the worst character to say it. Yeah, he's
1: a, he's an awful person, and he just well, he's not an awful person. He's just like really full of himself, and goes on forever. <laughs> yeah,
0: the worst guy at the party, and so <laughs> I, I think if you take it out, I think you can still manage to understand what's going on in the timeline. And even though it's skipping forward really quickly, and then when it starts to slow down at the end because it feels like it, that's when it matters more to see. I think that this movie works a lot better without it. I think that the worry was that people are not going to get this movie if I don't have a guy explain it. And I think that is the biggest mistake they made in this. And I think part of your problem with it is you've now put so much emphasis on time because you've had a character spell it out for you that now time is is something you're really focused on and really conscious of. And it matters so much. And now that we've skipped past parts of it, it didn't work as well for you. Like, am I right in saying that? Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, because everything else was, I want to exist in this moment, in this feeling. I've watched lots of really, really slow films with really, really slow scenes. That pie-eating scene is not slow to me because there is a distinct emotion present there. It is. It you really get sucked into it. Unbelievable grief. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <You're> overwhelming, <laughs> unbelievable grief. And you are, I am just fascinated and captivated by that entire shot for the entirety of it. Even though she doesn't change her affect, even though she doesn't move, even though she just keeps, you know, eating the she pie. Doesn't start like bawling or anything. It's, it's yeah. a gentle sniffling because that's yeah. just that's what overwhelming grief is. Sometimes it's just like I, I'm just gonna eat this whole pie. I yeah. I literally just cannot cope anymore without doing something slightly destructive.
0: Like if I'm forced to exist right now, this is what I'm going to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. Did you know
0: that uh, the pie is a vegan chocolate pie. Oh, yeah. That apparently, Rooney Mara said was disgusting, <laughs> and David Lowry said was delicious. So <laughs> I guess there were like fourteen different pies they baked for it, and that's the one they went with. It was all that was the first take and only take of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I don't know why they landed on vegan chocolate pie for the first one. (laughs) But, uh, but that, yeah, that's a, that's, that's my, one of my good fun facts for this, uh, this podcast. That's funny. But yeah, so like,
1: and the one thing I do like that comes out of the PBR preacher scene is the transition, the cut to, uh, the end, uh, after the party, we, um, we uh the camera tilts up to look at that light bulb flickering right right and then immediately cuts the light bulb is burst, and the house is just torn apart right yeah. i personally what I take from that is see flipped out on him he he did he disagreed with everything he was that guy was saying and rebuked everything that he uh thought about like uh of because that was basically just um an entire rant about nihilism and how nothing matters, which is hilarious to me because he was philosophizing. Philosophizing, uh, philosophy itself is only exists for itself. It is literally pointless. Every philosopher will tell you that.
0: <laughs> it's the, best definition of (laughs) philosophy it only exists for itself exactly i think that's perfect
1: and like there's a uh the pan sidecast is the the uh philosophy podcast i like to listen to they're all university like professors and they're like yeah like so philosophy it really only exists for itself which just feels weird to say because we're doing this whole podcast on it right basically our livelihood but it is.
0: Oh, I'll have to look that up. That sounds interesting though. Yeah.
1: So that's, I mean, so that's the thing. It's like, th- he feels so self-important doing something that is unimportant inherently. And I think that's, that's what I like about, um, about that cut is I feel like C just rejects all of that. Like, no, this isn't, I mean, I'm still here right now. Like y- your end of physicality is one idea that you have on a human time scale I'm in a completely different world right now and experiencing something so different that you were just wrong and I'm going to let you know. And I think he
0: freaks out at that party, destroys the house and that's why it looks the way it does. I love that take. I did not think that at all though. I just thought it was skipping forward in time and everyone's moved out. The the house has become condemned. It's decrepit. That's what I thought. But that's like fascinating. I, I... I mean I, I I have no idea. One day we'll have David Lowry on and we can ask. Him. Oh, I can't wait. I
1: can't wait till we're big enough that we can talk to <laughs> yeah. all of our heroes. Yeah. So Bob Eggers. Um, yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> Bobby, <laughs> I think Jade said Bobby Egg's. Yeah. I'm sure
1: Robert Eggers loves. We probably won't be allowed to <laughs> have
0: Jaden for that episode. <laughs> but that's fascinating. I hadn't I never considered that as a possibility. I just assumed it was uh we're starting to leap forward in time. At a at a accelerated rate now,
1: and the reason I say that is because the way that that's, that shot is cut, when the the bulb kind of flickers up, I think it's it's a classic horror trope, or you know just, uh, you know, suspense trope uh, of lights
0: flickering and you know they surge so much that they explode, which he's done that before. We've it's established in the movie earlier that he, the the lights will like, uh, come up and dim down. So yeah, I I could buy that. I wow. That the way you're talking about this movie totally kind of changes the tone of it, though. Mm-hmm. So the way I took it is is completely differently, which is why I love having these conversations, and I love finding out why you're so wrong about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> because that's a great take. I, I just don't think it was actually. I don't think it was the point, or, or, or I don't. I don't think it was actually what the ghost did. But I mm. totally buy that as a it, as a reasonable. Um, interpretation of that scene and how it moved forward. I think that's fascinating.
1: I think it's great. I think the... I don't think that it's... The thing is, is like, I don't think that that's ultimately what it's saying, that he's he's mad about it um, because that that dude talked for way too long. That felt like it was the point of the movie right Oh my there. God, yeah. It, it had to have been the point of the movie. If it wasn't the point of the movie, then God, just someone shoot him then. Yeah. Like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was... <laughs> No, I I think we both uh established that that is just a scene that's got to be taken out. Uh, for what I think is uh, nearly a perfect movie for me, that that is such a black eye in this movie. It 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 is so pretentious and it it so spells out everything that it's about that now you've you've kind of lost the uh the art of storytelling now. Yeah. Cuz now I already know what's I already know what to expect moving forward. I already know how time is going to work in this movie and you've kind of ruined that for me because you had just some guy spout off in the middle of it. Yeah. And it's
1: totally unreal. There is no way that that these these I mean they all like he looks like he's like 50. Um I mean, With his overalls on, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and these guys, and everyone else is in like their 2030s, and they're just gonna let this dude in overalls mansplain nihilism and right the heat death of the universe, and they're just gonna let him talk the whole time. That is not gonna happen because other people have opinions and ideas, and his are just like, and I, he just completely discounts like let's just take let's take money out of it you know like that's not the i'm sorry that we're living in a world where physical constraints are real and like i do things for money because that's how we survive and then he's also like okay let's take love out of it and like he just keeps taking things out of it like to make them they're completely different arguments right now and they're just he's just basically bullying like this, this topic into a point that he wants to make. That's completely nonsensical now because his arguments aren't even based on the, on the same uh, constraints that we were working with in the first place. They're just like his idea of it. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? So I guess the, the other time travel piece that I have a question for you is why can future C see past see OK, that was. was point <laughs> point? <laughs> why can the future ghost see the past ghost, but the past ghost can't see the future ghost? You know, after C dies and he comes back and he sees himself die again and sees his ghost. Why, why is it one way?
0: Uh, my thought is it's all in a loop. So in, in my head canon for this movie there are many C's that are seeing C. Like it, it, it's, oh. it's happened many times. So it's like a C seesaw. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I think, it, I think it, it functions in a way that uh, this character is always outside of time. Mm. But he's, he can see all the time that has happened before him. That's why he's able to see the, his previous version and the other ghost can't see him because that ghost hasn't lived that life yet, hasn't gotten to that point yet. I I don't think that... I think this movie gets really, really weird, weirder than it has been and becomes even harder to understand if both the ghosts can see each other. I just think it it happens Mm -hmm. where they're all in their own time loop, and if you haven't been in that loop yet, you can't see it the same way Casey Affleck see can't also see the ghost version of him because he hasn't lived that time loop yet. And so the first version of the ghost can't see the later version of the ghost because it hasn't lived through that time loop yet. And it's it's interesting to think. It's like, oh, like good for that ghost. I know it's struggle for you now. You're watching your wife eat pie for four minutes. But eventually, <laughs> it's going to come back around. You're going to get to the point that the later version has got to. You're going to see the note, and you're going to have that closure, and you're going to disappear. So I, I that's that's what I think. That's how I think the time operates in this, and that's why the ghosts can't see each other, even though they're all these uh, they're both like these ethereal beings. They don't operate in the same rules all the time, and and this is such a technical uh, I think argument for the film <laughs> uh, because I don't think it's the point at all. No. That's just my thought on it. Is they're they're all living their own timeline, and you don't get to see the other timeline until you've been there yet.
1: So why do you think the
0: Okay. Because the second ghost interacts with the piano.
1: Yeah. Why does he get sad and like crumple on the piano like that? When, cause C says he's ready to move. Why does he, he knows that he said that. Why does he, why is he saddened by it?
0: I think it's because now he's gone through this whole life. He understands how M is now reacting to him leaving, which leads to kind of like one of the most heartbreaking scenes is when M finally leaves we haven't talked about the score a lot yet but i think the the music that builds up in that point when she drives away and finally leaves and i think it's coupled with that and revisiting arguments that he's had understanding his perspective and maybe how it was wrong or how he could have approached it differently and that's why he's, i think it's more of a realization that he was not he wasn't helping make decisions he wasn't productive in the relationship and I think it's more of a realization that makes him sad. And that's yeah. why he slumps down at the piano. That's That was my interpretation of that scene was coming to the conclusion that he wasn't as equal a partner in this relationship as he thought he was. And he wasn't as helpful as he thought he was. And he thought he was doing his part, but it turns out he wasn't. And so he slumps down realizing that he let M down. And that's why the, the piano goes off. That's what I took from that.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. I do like that. Yeah. So then ultimately, what is the movie saying? What who makes this
0: movie and and why? So, like I mentioned earlier, this is a really personal story that David Lowry wrote. Kind of revolves around real events that happen in his life, and I, I really think it if you take all the time travel out of it and the moving through time, I think that's just a really fun aspect of the movie. I don't know that it's the point. I really think it's just about relationships it's it's about understanding the person you're with and how how do you move forward in your relationship how do you communicate with each other and i think that is really emphasized where m leaves the note in the wall and she's still communicating with c even though they're uh, lifetimes apart by now Mm. and that's what gives him the closure to finally move on is is that uh, understanding how to communicate with each other and c does it as well he he drops the uh, there's a book that falls, and it's the same book by uh, Virginia Woolf, uh, hmm. "A Haunted House," Oh, okay. and it opens up to the same like passage that uh, the movie opens up with. And so there's still like even I, I knew that book meant something. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't do enough research. That's my that's my second fun fact. Of um, <laughs> I just think that the movie is a, the movie is just about the relationship of a couple. That's all it is. I I don't think it. There's a lot of uh, existential meaning thrown on top of it but i really think it's just about a couple and it's just about coming to terms with each other that's that's what i think it's saying
1: yeah and i i totally agree with you which is why when when we go to the future and then ultimately to the past it's not saying those things it's it's gone it's gone away from that and it's telling it in a very different it's telling a very different story in a very different way and I'm not as engaged anymore because I was like, wow, this couple, this, this connection, this is, this is real. And it seems to transcend uh, planes as well um, from the corporeal into the incorporeal as well. And I was so behind that, that that's why I would say that the movie loses its way. Because why, why incorporate
0: time, time at all if we're already talking about like... Uh, you say the movie loses its way. I think the movie is about C losing his way inside the relationship. And that's why I think it's expressed as he's moving throughout time. Like he has, he has no direction. He doesn't understand where he fits in this relationship either. And he doesn't understand how to operate in that relationship. So I think the movie, I, I still think it is personal in that way. I don't think the movie lost its way. I think it's following a man, losing his way, regaining how he should have been or how he, how the relationship was. And then realizing that, and once he realizes that, that's what allows him to to, to to disappear eventually.
1: Yeah, and so I like that idea. So what I would cut then is I would cut the, the, the mom and the kids that move into the house. I would cut the whole party with the PBR pastor, and then I would <laughs> just get to the part where he jumps off the building, goes back in time, but to the beginning of that house, and then relives that from that perspective. Um, so it's a ghost story in some ways, but it's also like a... Uh, I'm seeing myself in a third person story and really examining that. Like, For sure, yeah. Then then I'm I am on board with the with the time travel because I don't care then that it happened um because it's everything is still working thematically within the same idea of exploring this relationship from uh from an outside perspective on yourself, you know. We never you never get that. Um, In in your own life, because you're always going to be seeing things from your own perspective. Like even if you were in mirrors, you know, mirrors help a lot for uh, looking at that. Or if you like I've heard a technique that some people like record their arguments uh, on camera and. Yeah. That
0: sounds like that sounds like such a depressing thing to go
1: through. Right, but I mean we've we've noticed it like from podcasting going back and listening to yourself like wow, I
0: that's so bad. I don't <laughs> make
1: any sense. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're just we're unrecommending most of our work like You're
0: so right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that that's a like you said that that third person perspective and as he's evolved being a ghost, he's realized different things and he can now look at himself at from a different lens. So so it is self reflexive because he's able to look at himself and understand what he could have done different or what he may have done wrong. And that's like you said, not a perspective that we ever get in movies. So Well, I mean in
1: ourselves, like in our own daily lives. Yeah. So that too
0: No, I love that idea a lot. Yeah. No, I, I think that's I think that really captures the point of the movie to me
1: right yeah exactly and I feel like then we don't need to jump around so much in their uh going back through their things we can live through moments past and really sit and explore them for a moment rather than trying to wrap everything up so get rid of the settlers get rid of uh uh the I love family the settlers. <laughs>
0: I, I I think they're a cool idea but one thing I really wanted to ask you about the scene with the settlers the camera keeps changing to the bodies being more decomposed. Mm-hmm. It really reminded me of the scene of uh, In the Green Knight as the camera spins around mm. 360 and you see him decompose and then comes back around. I think it's an evolution of the scene from A Ghost Story. I, yeah, they're like connected. <laughs> I just think it's like a... a yeah, like it's a
1: directorial
0: thing. Yeah, because I, I think it's done better in The Green Knight. Mm-hmm. But I think it got its uh, inspiration from a ghost story. I think they're they're so similar. They're both. I think they're both like well done, mm-hmm. and I think it fits in a ghost story where it keeps skipping forward. So you, the way it's edited makes sense. But I really really love that scene in A Green Knight.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that one too. That one's so cool. But yeah. So that's 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 what I would say is is the is the pro not. It's not that those things are bad. It's that they're not cohesive to the best parts of the movie. And that's and the best parts of the movie are the point of the movie. So I would take all of those out and just condense the everything to the single house, to the single relationship. We we need two people in this movie and well, maybe three, because I guess you gotta have someone in, in the in the ghost costume while Casey Affleck is on screen. So three people and that's all
0: right. Yeah, you know that um, I think a lot of people think watching that that it's just it's just a bed sheet thrown over him. Mean, it's not
1: 100 percent. No way. No way.
0: There's all this extra padding and stuff added to it to get the right form and everything because it doesn't sheets don't drape to the ground like that. Like, right. So wide and everything like there's a lot of work that went into that. And like I said, this was filmed in Irving, Texas, and they did it in the summer and they said that like casey affleck would like come out like just drenched in sweat like, i didn't it was even so hot think like, about
1: i didn't even think about it being in texas with the bed sheet oh well, my god! the
0: palette is pretty cool like it it turns down a, i mean it doesn't feel like a warm place you know like just the the way it's filmed so you wouldn't even really know it's in texas yeah that's
1: so true yeah because it's not like sepia colored no <laughs> yeah.
0: and so you don't get that feeling of none of the scenes convey heat you know no like, you would have no idea that these people are in a i assume a derelict house with no ac because they're condemned oh gosh i didn't even think about <laughs> that so oh. a lot of what i read is it was very hot and it was it was very <laughs> tough to film and and casey affleck was dying so all right so i think we're we're wrapping this one up on a scale of uh one to ten bedsheets. what do you put this at
1: Ultimately, I'm going to put it at a seven. Um, there are, That pie-eating scene is wonderful. Wonderful composition, wonderful acting. Um, just so many things that
0: work did it, so well. Did it take you... The first time I watched it, it took me a minute to even notice that the ghost is in the background.
1: Yeah. No, I knew he was there the whole
0: time. Oh, well, you're a smart guy. <laughs> I was just so focused on... Just the grief that's taking place. And it, it like almost shocked me for a minute. I got a scare in a movie that isn't supposed to be about <laughs> scares. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, the ghost is there. Oh, ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's just such a personal, griefful scene that I, I was just so focused on Rudy Morrow's performance. It was... It, people criticize this movie for that scene. It's kind of what... Uh, it, it's become famous for that. I think it's just the best yeah.
1: scene. It's... It's there are slower things out there. Trust me. There are much more unenjoyable and art for art's sake things out there than that. Oh, that,
0: I, I absolutely do not think this is art for art's sake.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. That's what that's, that's what I mean. Like this is really not, this is conveying a very specific emotion. Um, right. And in waves. And that's what makes it so great is it's, it, and that's what makes it so great is it just accomplishes that in, uh, A very
0: engaging way. Yeah. No, I know you had your problems with it, but I'm I'm still glad we got to talk about it. You gave me some really unique perspectives on it, uh, on the way the ghost reacts and everything. I I just, was stuff I never thought of, so. Yeah, and same with you. You like the, the idea, the experience of
1: time. Like, I can see what they're going at there. It just, it still doesn't land for me. But I
0: still, I still enjoyed a lot of things about this movie. So, like I said, I love this movie. It's, it's right up there with Interstellar. It's a nine out of ten, only only for the uh, the, the PBR preacher. I think if you take that oh, out, the, the movie just functions so much better without him talking. Mm-hmm. It it really, it like really sucked me out in a way that I don't think it was meant to. I think it was meant to tell you what the story was about in a more subtle way, but it was just so on the nose that I.
1: In a movie that we weren't concerned with anyone ever talking. Yeah. We have uninterrupted dialogue and uh,
0: like a rant of all things for five minutes. It's weird that the story has been following a character that doesn't speak for so long. And then it focuses on one guy talking for so long. I I was very confused by that addition. Mm -hmm. It's it's really my only knock against the movie. Uh, But yeah, so I I give it a 9 out of 10 bedsheets. And uh, yeah, with that, we're going to wrap this one up. I just want to thank you again for being on, Calvin. And Thanks for having me. I've, I'm i glad I
1: suggested this for you because I've been meaning to
0: watch this for a while.
1: I bought it, so I was like, I need to watch this.
0: Yeah. No, I, I still think it's wonderful. Like, <laughs> you, you changed my mind on some things. It still ranks really high for me. Uh, but with that, uh, you can find our podcast on any platform like Spotify or Apple Music. We also upload all these to YouTube. Go ahead and leave a comment. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing wrong. And if you have any suggestions for uh, movies we should watch in the future, go ahead and leave it in the comments. And with that, thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting.